0: All right. Hey good morning again. And I am I am super excited because it's the first Sunday of the new year, and we are starting off January, starting off this new year right, I think, I spending, starting today with 21 days of prayer and fasting. So we're joining with with churches and Christians from around the country and actually all around the world for this 21 days of just time, a and, and more intentional time of seeking God and, and His will. And so I'm pumped for that. I'm going to talk more about that here at the end. You'll find out more about that. But I want to start Kick this off by today talking about something that I think is is widely misunderstood amongst Christians and also very seldomly practiced. I think, but I'll tell you about the first time that I did it. It was uh, that sounded bad. All right, The first time that I did this thing, and I'm not going to tell you what it is until a moment. But so it was. It was a beautiful, sunny, late spring, early summer day. It was Memorial Day. You know, like the, the unofficial first day of summer. You've got that long stretch between New Year's and Memorial Day. And this is like the first three-day weekend. And so, man, you're just super pumped for Memorial Day to come and to get outside and, and do things. But you know that it's kind of a crapshoot in North Dakota and Minnesota, right? What the weather's like on, on Memorial Day. I remember one day when I was in college, it actually snowed on Memorial Day. Anybody else ever experience that really put a damper on the picnic plans. Let me just tell you that much. So So that's what made this day so special, this Memorial Day so special. It was a beautiful, sunny day, not a cloud in the sky, temperature in the low 70s, light, gentle breeze. It was the perfect Memorial Day for being outside, for being with friends and family and picnicking and grilling and all those great Memorial Day things. It was an awesome day for all of that, except for one thing. I was in the midst of a 36-hour fast. For some reason, some reason, the week prior, a friend and I had decided this, we had never fasted before, so we said, well, we're said we going to do this, and let's, let's do it together next Monday, not realizing that the next Monday was Memorial Day, after our wives notified us that, hey, the next Monday is Memorial Day, we're like, oh, man. Oh, that's all right. We'll just stick to it. You know, we made a commitment. That's what it's about, right? We're just going gonna to make that commitment and honor that commitment and, and go through it and just kind of grit our teeth and, and bear it on Memorial Day, not realizing that it also affected our wives, of course, too. And, and so, so Memorial Day comes, and I'd say actually the fast went quite well till about 11 a.m. Um, so... At that point, we decided we were going to go for a walk in the park, which is a horrible idea to do when you are fasting on Memorial Day because there was not a grill that was not fired up, stacked high with chicken or ribs or burgers or brats or whatever. And so, of course, we're walking through the park and there's just this the smell of the grills everywhere. I was like, oh, I can't take it anymore. Get me out of here. So we went back home. And when we got home, I kid you not, our neighbors on both sides of us were grilling. <laughs> and even one of those neighbors invited us over, said, hey, come on over with us. And I was like, oh, no, 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 I, I can't. Although I thought for sure that, that God would allow me to break the fast in order to witness to my neighbors. so um, But I didn't. I didn't break the fast. We went inside, closed all the windows, but still that, that smell of the grills just filled our house. It was all over the neighborhood. And so I was absolutely miserable, and I made my wife absolutely miserable as well with all of my complaining and whining and groaning and griping and, and all this stuff. See, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. He says, When you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled, so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. Man, was I a hypocrite that day. My my moans and groans could be heard throughout the neighborhood, I am sure. I made Heidi absolutely miserable with my self-affliction as well. And I spent the entire day trying to rationalize why I could break my fast. And I was, I was like, oh, I'm not even getting anything out of it anyway. I'm being such a hypocrite, so I might as well just break the fast. And I went on and on and on and on, but I think it was finally Heidi that had the final word when she said, would you just quit your whining and complaining already? Either fast or don't fast. I don't care. Just shut up. Basically, that's what she said. That's one of the reasons I love her so much. She has a way with words. Well, I decided... To stick it out, I stuck out this 36 hour fast, but there was really no point because I was just what Jesus said not to be. I was such a hypocrite with all my moaning and groaning, and I made sure that everybody knew that I was fasting. Well, I think this topic of fasting, I think there's a a lot of confusion about it amongst Christians, and maybe just a, a lack of clarity. I think we have questions about fasting, like, like what is fasting even? What is it? Why should you even fast? What's the big deal? Why should I fast? How should I fast? When should I fast? These are questions that I think all of us have, and maybe even myself sometimes lack clarity on that, and maybe we're a bit confused about it, and whether it's because of that or just apathy, I think few Christians actually few Christians actually practice this very rich spiritual discipline called fasting. So as we kick off these 21 days, I want to begin today by, by answering those four questions. What is fasting? How? Why should we fast? How and when should we fast? Because there's such a rich and deep spiritual practice that i think has huge blessings for us as individuals and a church if we will enter into that so first question what is fasting this isn't in the bible it's just a definition that i found that i thought was good and i kind of modified it a little bit but but here's a definition of fasting fasting is deliberately abstaining from the normal routines of life in order to spend focused time in prayer. And the study of God's word, seeking to align our lives with God's will. That's a lot to write down, if you wanted to write that down. So let me just, I'll condense it a little bit more for you. Fasting is deliberately abstaining from something or from food in order to focus more on God. That's what fasting is. Really, fasting is, is more about replacing than it is about abstaining. It's not just getting rid of something. It's, it's getting rid of something so we can have something better in our lives and more focused on that. It's about filling our lives with, with God instead of with the things that we usually fill our lives with, whether it's, it's food or social media or entertainment, gaming, what, whatever it is, so that we can develop a greater dependence on God and less dependence on the things that we often substitute for God. That's the purpose of fasting. That's what it is. But why should we do it? Why is it a good idea to fast? Well, first of all, because Jesus said so. Jesus said so. Now, not that I'm not aware of any place in the Bible where it actually says thou shalt fast. It's not an explicit command anywhere in the Bible that I'm aware of but it's interesting that when Jesus talks about fasting like in that verse that I read earlier he says when you fast don't do it this way but do it this way see Jesus isn't asking us to fast he's not suggesting that we fast he's not commanding that we fast he just simply assumes that as his followers we will fast He just assumes that if if you're one of my followers, you're going to fast. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. But here's another reason to fast, biblically anyway. Second reason is to look inward. This is for repentance, to look inward, repentance. There's lots of cases of this in the Bible. Let me share one with you. So when, when the Jews were coming back out of exile after they had been taken captive by the Babylonians, they were rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And at this point, the word of God, the, the law, had kind of been hidden from people. They, they weren't aware of all of God's commands and instructions. And when they realized it, when they realized what, what they were missing out on, what God had said in his law that they had not been doing and that they were disobedient to God, they did this. It says in Nehemiah chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. On October 31st, the people assembled again, and this time they fasted and they dressed in burlap and sprinkled dust on their heads. Those of Israelite descent separated themselves from all foreigners as they confessed their own sin and the sins of their ancestors. So you see over and over again in scripture anyway, that a common reason to fast is for repentance. It's not to somehow earn God's favor or earn his forgiveness. There's nothing you can do that can make God forgive you more. You ask for forgiveness, he forgives you like that because of Jesus. But what fasting does is it it expresses our genuineness, the genuineness of our repentance, that, that we are serious about our sin and that we're truly, truly sorry for it. Third reason to fast is to look outward. This is for mourning or grieving, to look outward. Again, lots of examples of this in the Bible. I'll share one with you. Uh, So there's this book called Esther in the Bible, and this is a time even after Daniel where where the the, uh, Jews had been taken captive by the Babylonians, the Babylonians got taken captive by the, the Persians, and so now it's the Persian Empire. And there was this guy named Haman who was the king Xerxes' right-hand man. And he wanted to get rid of all of the Jews. And so he devised up this plan, this edict for the king to sign that would exterminate all of the Jews. And it says in Esther 4.3, I don't know if I might have forgotten to get this one up on the screen. But it says that, when they found this out, when they heard about Haman's edict, there was great mourning among the Jews. This is Esther 4, verse 3. They fasted and they wept and they wailed, and many people lay in burlap and ashes. Fasting gives a voice to pain and sorrow and grief that is, might be difficult to express. And so, so historically and biblically, the way that people have expressed that immense sorrow is through fasting. And then lastly, a fourth reason to fast is to look forward for guidance. To look forward for guidance. This is probably the most common type of fast for for modern day Christians. As we fast in order to seek God's direction, because we need God's favor, because we need some sort of spiritual breakthrough of sorts. The first example of fasting in scripture is found in Judges chapter 20. Verses 26 through 28. It says, Then all the Israelites went up to Bethel, and they wept in the presence of the Lord, and they fasted until evening. They also brought burnt offerings, burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. So at this point, the Israelites had lost in a battle to the tribe of Benjamin. That's what's going on here. So they had lost in this, this battle, and they were going up to God. It says, The Israelites went up seeking direction from the Lord. And the Israelites asked the Lord, Should we fight against our relatives from Benjamin again? Or should we stop? And the Lord said, Go. Tomorrow I will hand them over to you. So here is a common common reason for fasting is to seek guidance from the Lord, to seek his direction, to seek an answer. And so people would fast and do fast now when they're facing a challenge, they need some sort of guidance, they need a, a spiritual breakthrough. So let me ask you, where do you need guidance in your life right now? Where do you need direction? Where do you need the hand of God's favor upon you or upon a situation? Where do you need a spiritual breakthrough? Maybe it's a, a relative who is, or a loved one who is far from Christ, and you long for that person to come to know Jesus. Maybe you have a critical decision that you have to make in your your family and you don't know which way to go. There's like this fork in the road. You're not sure if you should go right or go left. Maybe you have a relationship that is falling apart. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a a son or a daughter or a, a parent or a sibling. I don't know. But this relationship is deteriorating. You need the hand of God's favor upon that relationship. Maybe it's a financial crisis. Maybe you don't know how you're going to pay next month's rent, how you're going to get tomorrow's groceries. Maybe you don't know how you're going to get out of debt, how you're going to get the collectors off of your back. As a church, we also need guidance. We also need direction. We also need favor. We need a spiritual breakthrough as a church. We need those things as individuals and as a church. We need it as a church because we want to reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. We want to do more good in the neighborhood. And we need more resources, people and money and and whatever in order to accomplish that. But we want God's hand of favor upon us. We want a spiritual breakthrough where God will take us deeper than we've ever been before. We need his guidance as to the future and where we should go and what we should do. And fasting creates this sense of urgency. There's a sense of urgency. When I was seeking God about even starting this church several years ago and whether I should be the one to do it, I had a period of fasting where I sought God. Then when we couldn't sell our house in Thief River Falls so that we could move here, I fasted to seek God's favor on selling our house. When I've been seeking God's direction for our church right now, I've been, I've been fasting, asking God, where do we go from here? Because where I thought we were going is not where we are going right now, so where are we going, God? And that's something that I want us as a church to be praying about and seeking God. But fasting doesn't somehow force God to act or manipulate Him into doing something. Fasting simply gets us out of the way so that we can more clearly see and hear God. That's the point of fasting. So how then should we fast? How should we fast? First off, we should fast privately. So I remember when I was in seminary, I had this class. I don't even remember what the class was. I don't remember what we were talking about. What I remember is this guy. We must have been talking about like, like how we connect with God or something like that. And so, because I just remember this guy. I don't even remember his name. I remember his face because he was sitting in the front row and he turned around and he said to the class, I fast every Wednesday. And I don't mean like like I just fast for one meal or a little bit. I mean, I have to, i do a 24-hour fast every Wednesday. And I just feel so good and so connected with God and and everybody should fast like I do. (laughs) To which my professor wisely said, well, see, that's always the temptation is when you find something that works for you, we're always tempted to make it into a law for other people. So that guy in my seminary class, so, so Jesus says, Again, in Matthew 6, 16, this, this time we're going to read a little bit further. So when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled, so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. I recommend this anyway on a <laughs> daily basis, but... Then no one will notice that you are fasting except your Father who knows what you do in private. And your Father who sees everything will reward you. So in other words, what Jesus is saying is don't fast like Jeff did on Memorial Day. Don't make a big stink about it. Don't grumble and gripe and complain and whine about your fast. When somebody offers you a piece of pie, don't say, oh man, that would be so good, but but, I can't, I'm fasting. You know, it's too bad. That's always a hard thing when somebody, like, wants to give you food and you're fasting. You're like, I don't want to be a hypocrite. So I just try to say, no, thank you. Just simply, no, thank you. No other explanation needed. No, thank you. Don't whine or grumble or complain, but also don't be like that guy in my seminary class. Don't boast about it. Don't brag about it. Don't try to dictate how others should do it. It's between you and God, and you and God alone. That said, let me continue to tell you how you should do it. So secondly, secondly, dependently. Dependently. Now, biblically, by the biblical definition and example of fasting, fasting is going without food. It is going without food for a period of time in order to see and hear God more clearly. Now, some people say, including myself, actually a lot of people say, oh, it doesn't have to be food. You can fast from anything. And that's true, sort of. Sort of true. But that's not biblical fasting biblical fasting is fasting from food and fasting from facebook is not the same as fasting from food although you might think that facebook or or netflix or video games are essential to your life they aren't actually you know what is essential to your life food you need food to survive and so fasting from Netflix or video games or social media or whatever are not the same as fasting from food. It's not a coincidence, I think, that the first temptation of Jesus by Satan was while he was fasting in the wilderness and the first temptation is Satan tempts him with food. So he's in the, in the desert, right, in the wilderness and Satan comes, he says, if you're the son of God, You're the son of God, you could just whip up some food right here. You don't have to moan and groan and be hungry. You don't have to continue being miserable. Just whip up some food. And Jesus responds Well, we don't live just by physical food, we also live by spiritual food. And that's even more important. And so I have to obey God and follow God and seek Him because that's more important than my eating right now when you fast from food you are saying to God you are my all in all you are all that I need you are everything to me fasting from Facebook just doesn't communicate that just doesn't have that that same that same uh, power in it that same sort of dependence on God now you may want to do what some people, or what's sometimes called a partial fast where you fast from a particular food or really a particular ingredient like sugar or caffeine. Really you can fast from anything that you've become dependent upon that, that somehow has maybe substituted taken the place of God because remember, the point isn't just to abstain, just to make yourself miserable, take this out of your life. You want to replace it with something greater, something better, with less of this thing and more of Jesus. Third, we should fast prayerfully. Prayerfully. You would be hard pressed to find anywhere in scripture where fasting is mentioned apart from prayer and or worship. Almost everywhere or everywhere that, that I know of, it's always prayer and fasting or prayer and worship. Together, they go hand in hand. All three of those things do. They're all about seeking God. I love this uh, in the New Testament. In Acts 13, there's this incidence where it's the, it's the early church, right? It's the first Christians. And up to this point, Christianity is just a regional Jewish movement. And then this happens in Acts chapter 13, verse two. One day as these men, and these are our leaders in the church, one day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, "...appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them." So the leaders in the church, they're fasting and praying and worshiping together, and they hear God's voice clearly say, I want you to take your two top dogs, your senior pastor and your associate pastor, and I want you to send them out as missionaries. That doesn't happen apart from God, right? Right? Humans don't come up with that idea on their own. Hey, we should send out our our top two pastors or leaders, you know. But because they were seeking God through fasting and prayer and worship, they were able to hear God's voice clearly, and global Christianity was born as a result of that, as a result of their seeking God. God does amazing things. When we seek him fully and completely, when we get things out of, our, out of the way and out of our lives that are keeping us from being dependent on him, and when we seek him wholeheartedly through prayer and worship and fasting, God does amazing things. And I can't wait to see what God is going to do in your life and in this church over the course of the next 21 days. So the last question then is when should we fast? When should we fast? Despite what my classmates said, everybody doesn't need to do a full 24 hour fast or more. Simply put, do what works for your body and your schedule. Do what works for your body and your schedule. If you work five stories up doing construction, I don't recommend that you fast. For 24 hours or whatever, you know, I want you to pass out and fall to your death. But do what works for your body and your schedule. Here's what I found for me personally. I found that because of our our family and my schedule, my meeting schedule, I have a lot of breakfast, lunch, and coffee meetings, that that a 24-hour fast just doesn't really work. It's just not practical for me. And I've tried and I've tried and I've tried because I wanna be all spiritual and I wanna, wanna do this, but it just doesn't work well. So what I've discovered over the past year is that what works well for me is fasting from breakfast to lunch. Now, I mean breakfast to dinner. Fast from breakfast to dinner and I skip lunch. And then oftentimes I go for a prayer walk during that time, or I spend some time, intentional time reading God's word. And honestly, I connect with God a lot better in those shorter fasts than I do in those longer fasts. So it doesn't have to be a longer fast. It can be certainly, but do what God tells you to do. Don't try to be a hero, okay? But here I think there's precedent for is that the length of the fast match, matches the desperation of the situation the length of the fast matches the desperation of the situation jews then and now orthodox jews anyway still fast from sundown to sunup you know that first meal of the day it's called breakfast that's why because they break the fast in the morning. And so, so that's just routine. And, and in, interestingly enough, I don't know, has anybody read or heard about intermittent fasting? It's like a huge health craze right now, is they're saying is the best way to lose weight and to be healthy is to do what God's people have been doing for thousands of years, which is to fast for, for a 12 to 16 hour period of just the day. And your your body kind of resets itself. Twenty-four-hour fasts were typical for repentance in Scripture. Three-day fasts were common when, when God's people are seeking guidance or deliverance. Seven day fasts were typical for mourning or grieving, a huge loss. Like thousands of people have been killed, slaughtered, and so then they go in the seven-day fast to mourn. 40-day fasts in Scripture were only done by Moses, Elijah, and Jesus, and they required supernatural intervention. So don't try to be a hero and do a 40-day fast. I know I just burst a lot of your bubbles. I'm sure you were really hoping to do that. But those were supernatural circumstances that required supernatural intervention. But there's no real rule book for fasting. When and how long you fast is dependent on how active you are, your schedule, how your body responds to it. Not everybody's body responds the same way. So my advice is to seek God, start small, and don't try to be a spiritual hero. Okay, You're not going to impress anybody. If you've never fasted before, start with one meal. Fasting from one meal. In fact, let me give you... Some other options. Here's here's my challenge actually for the next 21 days to do one of these three things or or more. But the first thing is to fast from one meal a day. Fast from one meal a day for the next 21 days, or fast one day a week for the next 21 days or fast from one food, like I don't mean broccoli, I mean like like sugar or caffeine, something that you are dependent on, fast from that thing for the entire 21 days. So fast from one meal a day, from one day a week, or one food, ingredient, item, whatever, for the whole 21 days. Just some ideas. All right, let me pray. God, we thank you for the sacrifice that you made in Jesus, that you love us so much that you were not content and you would not allow us to remain dead in our sins, in our horrible mess, but you sent your son Jesus into the mess to bring us out of it. So God, today I know, you know a lot of us are still a mess. We're still in a mess. And Lord, thank you that you meet us in that mess no matter where we are, no matter where we've been, that you meet us here in that mess and in this moment. So Jesus, we invite you. We invite you to be here with us, be present with us today. It's for your glory that we pray all this. Amen.